Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board, presented by BetMGM here at the Athletic. Michael Beller and Andrew DeWitt taking you through our first look at Super Bowl lines, Bengals and Rams. I think, you know, DeWitt. Not a lot of people uh, surprised. A few people surprised by the Rams being here, even though they went in as the fourth seed in the NFC. They were part of that upper echelon of NFC teams uh, all season long that we could have seen. Being a Super Bowl team, the Bengals, on the other hand, I think a lot of us thought maybe they were a year away from this point, especially with the strong finish uh, to the regular season that they've had, but still uh, ultimately get themselves into the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a fun matchup, I think. Maybe not so much for you right now, being a Chiefs fan, but uh, a fun matchup. Nonetheless, some new blood, all that. It's going to be, I think, a lot of fun to watch in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think like the key part is like the Rams getting in and like, makes this game really attractive from either Matt mm-hmm. Stafford or Joe Burrow winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it makes it attractive from like the 49ers are clearly like they were going to play defense, try and run the ball, like do all these things. I think this game sets up kind of for a shootout if the the coaches want to play that way. Although, you know, the mm-hmm. Ram, the Bengals yesterday were running on first down into the second half, even though they were trailing yeah. or on first down. And then they were running even on second down, sometimes trying to establish the run. The Rams kind of have done that with acres yesterday um we kind of talked about that on the podcast before so it's just that'll be interesting and one thing i've noticed like uh we've been tracking the lines yesterday since they went live mm-hmm. is like the total has dropped a full point uh in the last you know hour um i noticed like around 10 o'clock uh, mountain time where i'm at it, it dropped from 49 and a half to 49 and now it's 48 and a half and maybe kind of keeps going down if yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because like all, honestly, like most of the betters, like Super Bowls have like these betting trend, trends that people have tracked throughout the years, where it's you know the under like the underdogs get a lot of money line bets, which is why you're seeing the the money line like the Bengals are plus one fifty five right now, and then we've seen the Rams go from like three and a half, it kind of opened at three and a half on the look ahead mm-hmm. line, and now it's at four, which four doesn't really matter because it's kind of like this weird number that never lands in the NFL, so. um Although we're going to say that, and then it'll completely hit the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, um, 24-20. Yeah, so, but from a betting point of view, typically four and five are not key numbers in betting. So mm-hmm. um, I saw a lot of bettors talking about how they were going to bet up, um, you know, take the Rams up to minus six or six and a half and just, like, get the added juice on that value. So that was kind of interesting yesterday. A lot of people were talking about that when the Lions came out. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good Super Bowl, and I think – It'll be interesting to see if the Bengals take the same um, strategy that the Patriots used in that Super Bowl, which ended up being what the final score was what thirteen to three years. Thirteen like. three. Yep. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that because, but remember, Zach Taylor was on the Rams staff for yeah. years. Like he's been <laughs> with Sean McVay for a long time. So yep. if anything, they know each other really, really well. So that'll be and it, that storyline is definitely going to come out in the next couple of weeks here. 
Oh, for sure. But uh, we got two weeks to unearth every single possible story we could talk about with this game. So uh, that's definitely one of the easy ones, one of the low-hanging fruit ones that we're going to hear plenty of over these next 13 days. Uh, so the four is interesting to me and for the reasons you said. I mean, that's obviously going to be one of the key numbers to be watching over these next 13 days. Um I mean, so right now, what's your what's your lean? If Rams minus four in this uh, in Super Bowl Fifty Six, what's your lean as we're looking at this right here? If you had to bet it today, what would your bet be? My bet would be Rams, and then I bet the under last night too. So I got Rams minus three and a half, which has jumped up to four, which I wasn't surprised. Not that big of a difference. And then like the under, I'm just thinking that my gut instinct is that the Bengals and the Rams are going to run more than we think. So if and we've seen like the player props start to come out, like, but there's not a passing attempts prop. Like Bur- Burrow yesterday went under his passing attempts at 38 and a half, even though he was down in the game most of the game until the end and had to play catch up. So, I mean, I just think that these teams aren't gonna like. I don't think we're gonna have an extreme shootout. I don't think it's gonna be a boring like 13 to three game. But I think these these coaches are gonna try and control the the ball in the second half more than they are in the first half. I mean, go back and look at the way these two teams played all regular season. This was something that this became a familiar theme of this show with the Bengals specifically about halfway through the season. Like they are a team that certainly can play into the 30s when they need to. They have the juice offensively to just get there with a couple of big plays. Like Use the first Chiefs game as an example. They had to get to the 34 mark. They got to the 34 mark. You can look at the game the week before that against the Ravens when the Ravens just couldn't stop them and they rolled up, what, like 42 points in that game, something ridiculous like that. So like they have the ability to play there when it's called for. They have the ability, the explosiveness to get there when they're just playing an A++ sort of game. But it's just, it, it's not really their style. They are not the Chiefs. They are not the Bills in a team that is built to play into the 30s to win every single time they take the field. That's just not the Bengals, no matter what you see with their uh, offensive abilities and all the skill players that they have. The Chargers were another team we talked about a lot in this same sort of vein. And they were a team that you just look at the names on paper and you think, oh, this is going to be a team that not only can play shootouts, but wants to play shootouts. And then you watch the way that, you know, they actually call their offense and that's just not how it is. It's not how they are built stylistically to play. The Bengals are like that too. So I'm with you. I think that this, uh, you know, this would have to drop down to like another point and a half maybe before I wanted to either stay away or bet the over at, at 48 or more. I feel pretty comfortable with the under in this one. These are just two teams that are stacked with skill players at every position, but don't necessarily play the bills chief style of football on offense. That we, uh, is a lot of fun, but it, it takes a special kind of offense, not just with the talent, but with the scheme to get us playing like that consistently. Yeah. And analy- I mean, if you get into the analytics conversation, like the analytics, like the Bengals in the beginning of the first half of the year, they weren't throwing the ball a ton because I think they were protecting no, not at Burrow. All. And I think I, uh, they were, I mean, Joe Burrow fantasy teams can attest to that. Right. And I mean, I had, a, I had, you and I went back and forth a ton on Burrow. <laughs> I had Burrow and Chase, uh-huh. and we were like, oh, do I trade yeah. him? Like, I, do I hold Burrow, on to him? Uh, Burrow leading the NFL in passing yards was right. a prop of mine that I ripped up by like week four. Like, oh, this, is, this isn't happening. Right. The, and, volume but, just wasn't, the volume wasn't there the way we thought it was going to be. Right. And now, but did the second half of the season, they opened it up in that Ravens game. Like, they didn't have a second, mm-hmm. the Ravens didn't have a secondary, so they were just attacking yeah. the heck out of them. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, in this game, I wonder what's going to happen if the Bengals can't run the ball against the, the Raven or the Rams mm-hmm. defensive line and what, like, what their strategy is. Do they just open up the playbook and just start playing backyard football with Joe Burrow and say, go win the game? Because they've done that a few times where it's like, hey, go in the game in this way with Burrow. Clearly, like, he's the type of quarterback that can do that. 
And he doesn't have the scar tissue that any other quarterback has. Like Matt Stafford has tons of scar tissue. <laughs> whereas like Burrow doesn't Planet have any Jack scar tissue. Detroit will do that to a guy. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the one, I think the most familiar storyline that we're all going to be sick of by like this Wednesday or Thursday is going to be the Rams defensive line and specifically Aaron Donald against the Bengals offensive line. Right, that's going to be the one thing that everyone trots out and uh, tries to point to and sound smart and be like, how are they going to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> They're going to stop them. That's going to be where the game spins. Um, it's something worth talking about. It's something worth considering, I think. Uh, so it's, I don't think that's really where this is, game is going to be won and lost, though. I don't think that – I mean, we the, the Bengals have gotten – the Bengals have had a bad offensive line all year. Yeah, we knew it. This is why so many people thought they were going to take Penny Sewell over – Jamar Chase, because they've had a bad offensive line for years. They invest in Joe Burrow. They've got already T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and some pass catchers. I think it's safe to say they made the right decision. Uh, But this is like they have played as well to this point with that offensive line well enough to get into the Super Bowl, to win their division, to knock off the Chiefs two times in the span of five weeks. I mean, like they have played that well with this line. I think that saying that it's that's where this game is going to be decided is a, a little bit uh, just a, a little too low for where this game actually is going to end up being. Yeah, and that's I mean I think it's going to be like how did certainly they get factor. the ball to Jamar yeah. Chase? That's going to be the yeah. storyline, mm-hmm. and it's like if they can get him the ball and he makes the plays, that's how they're going to win the game. I think. But the yeah. question comes back to like Zach Taylor recognized that they're going to probably have to throw the, like they're going to have to outscore the Rams to win this game, and does Zach Taylor? Agree with that, or is he still going to put Joe Mixon between the tackles every first down like he did yesterday? Because he did that in the second half still. Yeah, first oh, yeah. half, okay, yeah. like I get it. You're trying to establish like ball control, mm-hmm. shut down Mahomes, but I didn't. I don't understand why they were still running the ball on first down every single time, and the Chiefs knew it was coming. So my uh, my initial lean here is Bengals plus four. Um, that would be my where where I would be going with this. It would it would have to you know realistically do it. It would have to get to a point it's not going to get to for me to want to bet the Rams. Um, I mean, we're, you know, like if this under, if this got under a field goal, then maybe I would start considering the Rams because I do think when you just put these two teams on paper against one another, the Rams are a slightly better team. They deserve to be about a three, four, four and a half point favorite. I'm totally on board with that. So I just I don't see myself having a ton of real any Rams money in this game because I like the Bengals with the points with the way they're playing. Two very good teams, two um, teams that are maybe at the peak of where they've been all season uh, with the Rams getting Odell Beckham as involved as they have in this uh, you know in this postseason. I mean it's basically like they haven't skipped a beat since losing Robert Woods. They finally got that Robert Woods replacement in OBJ over these last three weeks. So I think this is going to be a very closely played game. Um, if somehow, like the Bengals were, you know, minus two or minus three, I would like the Rams. I think these two teams are that close to one another that the points really are the difference maker for me in this one. I will be very interested to see where the props come out and where the props land. As you said, we're starting to get a slow trickle of those being posted. The ones that I'm going to be most interested in, DeWitt, really all the receiver stuff. I mean, can, can you get, can you set Cooper Cup's yardage prop high enough to want to bet against it? I don't think you can. I mean, I I think you have, like, Cooper Cup would have to have, like, a 119.5 yardage prop before I thought about not betting on the over. It's it's 103 and a half right now. <laughs> over. Oh, over. And like, then it's one. <laughs> his touchdowns, I mean, this is, like, something that Dan Santaramita, my colleague, we were looking at the props last night up late getting some stuff up on the site his anytime touchdown it was minus 140 and now it's minus 165 i think both of us <laughs> bet it last night we we're like oh that's like he's had a game touchdown in like 11 of 14 games or something like that it's like 
He's going to yeah. score a touchdown unless there's just no touchdowns in the game. Um, yeah, the MVP one's pretty interesting because I feel like if Joe Burrow, Joe Bur- like he's if the Bengals win, I think Joe Burrow's going to win the MVP. Like he's plus mm-hmm. two ten, so you get a little bit more value on versus so go, the money yeah. line. So don't bet the Bengals money line, bet Burrow MVP. Yeah, but I think I'm not like Stafford's plus one ten. Like I hate that MVP bet because yeah. Cooper Cup six to one. Uh, Aaron Donald's 20 to one. If you think that, you know, kind of going back to your defensive line storyline, which I agree is kind of like a cliche. And I think they'll, yeah. they'll figure out ways to move around him. Uh, one I like is Odell Beckham, 25 to one, because that's pretty good. Like, is he going to be the one that they like Eli, like every team has gone after Eli Apple in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. who, who's going to be on Eli Apple and that like, it could be Beckham and that's, you know, that's could be a good one. I like to, Cup. Like, I like, what'd you say? Six, six to one on cup. Yeah. Six to one on cup is probably like the best non quarterback yeah. bet. But if you want to go yeah. bigger, I mean, I do like Odell Beckham at 25 to one. Cause like, could you see him winning the MVP if he has like a, like a 65 yard touchdown in the third quarter that breaks the game it, open. And then he would have like to 100. be something like that. He'd have to go for like, he'd have to go for like 10, 150 and two in right. like a 21 to 13 victory. Right. And it has to be a blowout because I mean, I don't know. This is getting a little probably in the woods a little bit on this stuff, but like the betting on the MVP happens around the five minute mark and what can happen. Mm-hmm. So 20% of the vote comes from the fans online, which they're probably going to default towards the quarterbacks just because that's how mm-hmm. it is. And then the MVP, the press gets 80% of the vote, but that they have to turn in their votes with five minutes left in the game. Yeah. So they can pick one or either. If the game is close, they usually pick one or either. So like, the Mahomes or the 49ers Chiefs, Mahomes won the MVP, even though Daryl Williams should have won the, or yeah, Daryl Williams should have won I mean, the we've, MVP. We've got a, so. a, a long history of quarterbacks getting the award when they don't deserve it, at least recent history. Um, the Patriots come back against the Falcons. That was, that was James White's MVP. Right. That was robbed. But that's because they vote early. They vote early. So yeah. that's like, that's <laughs> the thing you have to factor in. That's why the, the quarterbacks are such huge favorites is because the process... Mm-hmm. Of how the MVP is voted on is it gets bo- it, it's a, if it's a close game it's going to be the quarterback because they have to yeah. and there's no I other like option. Cup the the thing I like about Cup is that everyone's going to go into that with the you know we, how long have you been hearing like he's not going to win but you know who should get a good long look for NFL MVP this year Cooper Cup everyone's got that n- kernel in their mind somewhere and so if he has another fourteen for one sixty in a touchdown which like. You know, that's just basically rolling out of bed sort of game for Cooper Cup. I got, that's the one. That's If I was going to make a non-quarterback MVP bet, that's what it would be. And I agree with you. It's either it's bet Burrow MVP instead of Bengals Moneyline and Cup. Those are the two MVP bets I'd be looking at. Plus 110 is just, I mean, come on. There's so many better ways to use your money on plus, one, plus 110 odds than Matthew Stafford MVP. Especially for a quarterback who is favored to throw an interception in the game on the player props. <laughs> uh, any other props really quick before we uh, before we get you out of here and start talking uh, some NBA? Any other props that you're going to have your eye on or already have your eye on? Uh, I think I like Burrow o- two, over 274 and a half just because I think they're going to get forced into throwing the ball a little bit more. But that's mm-hmm. just... An early lean. I've seen it like it's as high as that's at BetMGM at FanDuel. It was like 276 already. So I kind of think it's in a trend higher. So um, that was one I kind of liked early. That's about it right now. I think there is one like Kendall Blanton as an anytime touchdown scorer. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if he's the tight end who plays for the Rams. Yeah. Yeah, So that's kind of one I'm looking, but it's already been priced in a little bit. So I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. they're kind of hedging their bets on that right now. So. 
Some obviously we're going to be tracking all this for the next uh, 13 days here. We will have multiple best on the board episodes between now and then where we are going to be talking about all the possible betting angles that we can have in this Super Bowl matchup. And be sure to be back with us next Monday when we're going to do something a little different, a little fun with all the props that are available to us. And we'll just leave that out there as a little bit of a tease. Andrew DeWitt, we got a great Super Bowl ahead of us. Excited to talk with you over these next two weeks. All about it, my friend. All right. Have a good one. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Okay, it's not all football. It is, you know, Super Bowl time. It's an exciting time in the NFL world. Tass Mellis from No Dunks, but we still got a lot of basketball to talk. So let's get into it. Eight games on the Monday slate. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'll be here to provide you uh, 13 days of basketball games before <laughs> your next football game. Although I guess people bet on the Pro Bowl as well. Oh, man. Even like even someone like me who hosts a show like this is like, uh, maybe I'll, you know, I'll maybe sit that out. It's a full NBA, full college basketball that Sunday. Maybe I'll take a pass on the Pro Bowl. Yeah. And the (laughs) NHL All-Star Weekend is looking good. There's some new events in Vegas. It looks like fun. We've got uh, got a great betting weekend ahead of us, even without any NFL or college football for the first time in a long time. But you and I are here to talk the eight-game Monday NBA slate. You're coming off. A very nice week last week, Tess. 2-0 for you. Shea Gilgis-Alexander coming through for you, going over his point prop a week ago. And then the other one was Evan Mobley coming through on a uh, point rebound and assist. So that moves you to 17-10 on the season, my friend. A very profitable first uh, half-plus of the NBA season for you. I'm down at 8-10, took a loss last week on my Kobe White props. I will say... The process was right. Kobe White played 35 minutes in that game Uh, for the Bulls against the Thunder. He he chucked up something like 10, 12 field goal attempts. Just wasn't hitting. So if you're going to lose, I'll at least take right process, wrong result, rather than wrong process also leading to the wrong result. So 8 and 10 for me, 17 and 10 for you. Let's get into it here. You're going to start us off with one of these big-time props. we got Julius Randle, over 18 and a half points. Let's hear the argument. Yeah, I'm a tiny bit reluctant to bet on Julius Randle because unlike Shea and Evan Mobley last week, I'm betting on a cold player here. But he's playing the right team, the Sacramento Kings. That 18.5 point line is not scaring me at all. The Kings are on the last game of a five-game road trip, gone 0-4 to start it. And these are the Kangs we're talking about. I think they just want to go back to Sacramento and Julius Randle will be lined up against Marvin Bagley III, and I think that's a a matchup that he will want to destroy. Uh, It it is one of the worst defenses in the league he's going up against. And uh, although Randall hasn't played well, the Knicks do play well versus below 500 teams, and they need a win. They've lost three straight. It's the first time they're playing the Kings this season. Uh, But he went over the 18.5-point line in his two games against the Kings last year. Now, you may say, this is a different Julius Randall than last year. Mm Totally true, uh, but he's got to get his average at some point, and so I think this is a perfect game to do that. His, he's averaging like uh, around that number recently, and uh, again, it's the Kings, so I think he's going to go over it. 
Good spot, like you said. For a cold player, you get a home game against an opponent you're much better than. Nick's favored by six and a half in this game. Like this is this is the right spot. This is the right spot to come out of it, both team environment wise, with the Knicks going up against the Kings being big favorites, and then matchup wise, as you pointed out, Julius Randle yeah. going to see plenty of Marvin Bagley. Uh, both of those point us in the right direction on Julius Randle here. Let me throw this on uh, you, though. If it goes wrong, where does okay. it go wrong for you? Well, they're going to double him in that he has to. Uh He's going to pass off and just won't get enough shot attempts, mm. I suppose, to get to that eight, 18 and a half point line. Uh, but yeah, that's what he's averaging this season, yeah. which uh, seems wild after his all NBA year yeah. last year. And again, he's got to hit that number at some point. So the Kangs, yeah, I don't think they have the wherewithal to really double him and reduce those shot attempts. You know, I think the process is right. Mm-hmm. Like your Kobe White pick yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to play him one on one. He's going to go up against a player. Uh, who he sees that he is superior then in Marvin Bagley a lot of the time. And uh, he'll see like a younger player trying to make his way, a, a lefty just kind of <laughs> like him uh, only a couple of years back. So mm-hmm. I, I think he'll he'll want to beat that one pretty well, especially with the way he's playing recently. But uh, the Kings are a healer of all. So I think this is a good spot on an eight-game slate uh, to uh, to pick this one. All right, I'm going to go back to an old friend here of mine, a guy who I've had some success with this season. Because again, I've uh, I've lost three picks over the last two weeks. Went from eight and seven down to eight and ten. So let's get back to an old reliable for us here, Desmond Bain. Over seventeen uh-huh. and a half points. Over two and a half threes. This is uh, a guy who's been a salve of uh, of sorts for me uh, so far this season. Tass and uh, the Grizzlies in Philly. Actually, three and a half point favorites in Philly later tonight. And uh, yeah, this just this just has the the right sort of feeling with the way that Bain uh, has been such a scorer for this Memphis team. All season long, Philly. Uh, if you just if you look at the advanced metrics, they are generally above average defensively. Generally, slightly above average. They're not totally locking teams down. They're not letting teams run them out of the gym. Basically, though, when I'm looking at those numbers for betting purposes, I'm looking for teams at the extremes. I'm, if it's a, if team is extremely good then maybe I stay away when I'm talking about a guy like Desmond Bain. If a team is extremely bad, then maybe I'm going even beyond the top few scorers on a team and looking to some other uh, possibilities for guys who maybe have lower totals that they can get past. Philly's in that big, healthy middle where you basically just trust the player, in this case Desmond Bain, to do basically what he does. So I think a game where where Memphis is favored, a game where we have a nice, healthy 217.5 total, in it as we do in this game with Bain going the way that he is going uh, over these last few games 19 points, uh, 17, 20, 25 16, 21 in his last six games, that's three before the COVID inactivity for Desmond Bain and three after the COVID inactivity, the minutes have been right there for him since coming out of health and protocols so feel like he has his legs under him, he is basically able to do what he does and we know that those three point attempts are going to be there for Desmond Bain if he doesn't put up six or seven three Something has gone clearly, clearly wrong for him. So I think you add all that up and both of these numbers feel awfully reasonable for him. 17 and a half points, two and a half threes. I think Desmond Bain goes north of both of those numbers tonight. Yeah, and looking at uh, the Sixers last game, they played the Kings. Tyrese Halliburton was their off guard, like Bain will be tonight. Mm -hmm. And Tyrese Halliburton had nine threes in that game. Now he was sort of going off, uh, but he was allowed to get nine threes. And I imagine the Sixers focus on John Morant a little bit more and Bain will have the uh, the shot attempts. I was looking at this game, too, because Embiid is a scratch mm-hmm. uh, the last hour or so. Uh, deems to be just simply resting, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, so I was just trying to figure out, is this one of those games? 
I've been burned on before is this one of those games Philly rallies around each other without their star to win. Not touching it, uh, but I, <laughs> I like the uh, the Bane angle for sure. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, you know, uh, still still is, I, I think Michael that in an eight game slate still the Grizzlies they're still the Grizzlies and they're still kind of under the radar. Bit, I know yeah. everyone's talking about them, but specifically guys who are supporting John Morant. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Bane is. is one of those guys, for sure. Yeah, Morant is getting the full attention that he deserves, but uh, maybe dwarfing the team a little bit. So uh, even uh, uh, without Embiid, a win over a Philly team in Philly maybe puts Memphis out there a little bit more. And hey, Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain, one Big 12 guy to another. Let's do it. Let's both of us uh, get the Sixers here. What? I don't know what language you're speaking, but I believe you. Tyrese Halliburton, <laughs> Iowa State, Desmond Bain, TCU. There you go. Couple of Big That's 12 you, guards. Man. Couple of Big That's... 12 guards, my friend. One more pick for us here on the show. Uh, Blazers and Thunder get together tonight the total 218 and a half you'd like the over let's hear why i do yeah portland okc portland's last three totals have been monstrous in their last three games 246 235 244 uh so the question for me in this one is will okc score enough to help portland get over that total because shea gilgis alexander is out and uh I, I think the Josh Giddy show here in game one of this run where Josh Giddy will have the ball in his hands a ton will be fine. I, I think the best move is probably for Portland to play off of him uh, and, and let him shoot because that's where he struggles uh, because he loves setting guys up. But this is sort of the first game as the lead guy with Shea Gilgis Alexander having an extended injury. And I think the Blazers aren't that good defensively, so they're going to play up on him and he's going to uh, be able to set guys up and the Blazers are on a back-to-back uh, and they're on a road trip. They've got this bad defense. So I, I, I don't think they really play lockdown defense like they ever do against this OKC team. So that 218 scares me a little bit uh, in that Portland will put up the points, but will OKC. And, and I think because Giddy does love setting guys up and maybe the, uh, the scouting report isn't, uh, isn't what the, the Blazers go after in terms of first game here. Maybe that'll happen a little bit later in mm-hmm. this giddy as the number one guy run. But in this first one, I think Portland will allow enough points uh, to get to those large totals that they have been producing these last three games. So 218, a little scary for me, but I think it'll be a high score game because Portland won't take OKC all that seriously, uh, at least for the first three quarters of this game. Blazers favored by three and a half in this matchup. So if you're ever concerned about one team not being able to carry its weight. You definitely like to see a smaller spread rather than a bigger spread. Hope that this one doesn't get out of hand and then gives right. them more of an opportunity to carry their weight and get us north of that 218 and a half number. Uh, three games or three bets, three bets, sort of four bets to watch here tonight. Julius Randle over 18 and a half. Give me all my Desmond Bain overs and then Blazers Thunder over 218 and a half. That's going to do it for us here on Best on the Board for Tass, for DeWitt. I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Good luck. Happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.